0: What a, what a screamer! What a screamer! What a fantastic goal! Arsenal's back in it! And here's Limpa, lines it up, finds the net. Arsenal in front.
1: Oi, brush your teeth! This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. I sound like crap, but here's the deal. I'm in a hotel room. I got none of my equipment, but everybody wanted to hear from Clive. Clive, where's Clive? Where's Clive? Well, he's back. I'm not back. He's back. But everybody wants a podcast, so now I'm screaming into Bluetooth headphones trying to do a podcast this way, and that's what you're going to get from me. We're going to do a short one. Just handle some brief topics, including, oi, brush your teeth, because how awesome was that? Clive's on Twitter, at Clive P-A-F-C. Hello, Clive. hello, hello. Hello, indeed. All right. Let's not gild the lily. Let's get right into the meat of it. We're winning the fucking league thanks to Adidas. Am I right?
0: Well, I'll tell you what. We've been pontificating for months and months, maybe even years in my case, <laughs> about our identity and what we stand for and you know where we're we going. And then <laughs> some kit sponsor brings out a video which... You know, I tweeted out, which is probably the most Arsenal thing I've ever seen in years. I mean, talk about capture exactly what the club is all about for, for for people, and particularly for, well, I say particularly for London people, but it also brought in quite cleverly everyone else and said that you know you can you can be a Londoner, you know, you're you're part of this. This so, I mean, I thought it's unbelievable marketing unbelievable thing they did there with the accents and then saving the one accent at the end for the one guy who actually has got a London accent even though he's from Spain. I thought it was genius and it really does epitomise why so many people support the club and it's almost like okay if anything we talk about turning how many times you heard me mention turning a new page we have got to get the club turning a new page I'm not sure a video should be that powerful (laughs) (laughs) He <laughs> shouldn't be. He shouldn't, shouldn't have that effect. I even liked Mesut Erzling in it, for God's sake. I'm thinking, give him a new contract. I mean, it's that powerful. Suddenly, <laughs> <it was. laughs> yeah, I forgot I said, the fact,
1: <laughs> I, I I I forgot the fact
0: t- he can't run backwards. I sent out a tweet um,
1: uh, that said, I, after the fifth time watching it, I'd rotted my brain so much I was ready to give Cola another chance, Ozil a new contract, and was starting to wonder if Liverpool and City were that far out of reach um <laughs> You know what it did, Clive. So let me just speak as someone who's not a Londoner, not English, not from that area oh, of the world. Great, to see what you think. It, yeah,
0: brilliant. It, it,
1: it did such an amazing job of being very parochial and local, and yet, to me as a foreigner, made me feel like I was in on the joke, like I was part of it, like I was somehow a Londoner by association to Arsenal, by taking yep. this this diaspora of players, this this group of foreign players and giving them those accents and putting them in on the history and having ian wright stitch it all together i felt that i was being stitched into that fabric too in a really powerful and fun way um it's just such a clever way to be local and connect with the local fans and yet still manage to not feel like it's alienating the the global fan base and i know for some people they don't they don't give a shit about the global fan base but i think that's a very difficult tightrope to walk and the video does it so brilliantly and i'm not even sure entirely how they did let's talk about some of the the high moments i mean one of them obviously is the the reference to rocky rocastle uh, especially for a lot of fans who may not have even known who he is who are being introduced to him by virtue of his inclusion in the video were you impressed with the way they did that and th- called back to a lot of arsenal history that predates what we might consider the modern era post Arsene banger
0: Yeah, I mean this. This, you know, the era they're talking about. There, Ian Wright and me are similar ages, right? So the way he looks at Arsenal is the way I look at Arsenal. So that to me is what it's all about. So that is obvious. The fish and chip bar, everything about it, that is all around the ground. Those areas, all around North London. So that is real North London there. So what he did, it just it just opened a window to what what happens around the ground to um to people. Around the world, you know, it is, it's such an important thing because there are so many people that are massively dedicated on Arsenal. Can read every single word about the club, but are never going to go to a game, never going to see what it feels like to be around their area. And I think that was genius because everyone's part of this. It's a club, right? That's what it's all about. And I just, I just couldn't get over how they captured everything that was Arsenal, the diversity of the club. It was just, I thought it was brilliant. And I, I, just, I just, I wish there were some more of those people within the club. Because there is the identity. That's what you can sell around the world. That's it. That's what's going to attract people to the club. That's what's going to attract players. Remember, I mean, it sounds, it sounds corny, right? But just remember who you are. We're not just an investment vehicle. We're a football team, a football club. And this is why people support the club. And without those 30 plus million fans around the world, we're not the same club. It's as simple as that.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, other than the Rocastle reference, anything you particularly loved? I mean, Tony on a mad ting and brush your teeth. Feel my favorite. Uh, any other meme worthy or memorable <laughs> moments for you? No,
0: I'm not. no, I just liked it all. all right. I must admit, I must admit, I, I am a bit disturbed how much I suddenly like Mr. Ozil all of a sudden. And that, yes, that let's talk me. about this.
1: <laughs> L- let's talk about the reputation laundering that went on here. You're the casting agent for this video. How hard must it have been, after you've got Lacazette, Aubameyang, and Bellerin, and you're thinking... Now i got to find other likable players. I mean, the fact that they're able to put Kolasinac and Ozil and to some extent Awobi, who I don't think he's disliked, but he's polarizing. Ozil, very polarizing. Kolasinac, I think a lot of people will be fine with him going. How impressed you that they're able to sort of launder the reputations of these guys to make you... I mean, people came away from those videos genuinely caring about those players more than they did before the video started. (laughs) It's not a particularly lovable or likable bunch of players in the squad right now, but... But this
0: worked anyway. Well, a friend of mine, a friend of mine called Rams, he sort of said, he goes, just when I was getting out, they pulled me back in. Right it it was a bit like that. many of us have been trying to get out. We've been trying to find ways to rubbish the club, rubbish the manager, rubbish the board, I stick out a two minute video, and that's it we're all we're all looking at our bank accounts, we're going to buy every single Adidas like and we can we can possibly muster and uh we can't wait for the launch of the kit and I'll tell you what it'll be flying out of that club shop. Right, we're flying out of it, and um, wait right till the away one comes out. So, hey, look, we're all addicts, right? Let's be honest, we're all addicts. We all love this. We all love this game. We all love the club, and we moan, we moan. Of course, we moan. Some of us get it wrong when we moan. Some of us get it right. It doesn't really matter. We're I do get it right, right
1: when I moan, don't I? Yeah. I, I, I oh mean, yeah. Look,
0: I <laughs> want to say we're all we're all very similar, right? We mm-hmm. don't. We we can't change. We can't change who we are. And when someone presses that button which says you're an Arsenal fan. Well, that's it. That's it. And it just comes out. And you just can't stop it. So, um, yeah, I thought it was genius. I thought it was real genius.
1: Yeah, I mean, before we move on, I mean, this is a lot of discussion dissecting a kit video, but honestly, since winning the FA Cup, it's the best thing the club has done. So I think it deserves it. <laughs> I mean, is, it, is there a little bit of an irony here that the... The video is so good, and yet even with this one great thing the club has that there's still a screw-up because it got leaked, or do, you, or do you think it was leaked intentionally for any particular reason?
0: Who knows? I think Adidas has done a great job of covering their tracks up until the last minute with all the various kit leaks that have come along. Hey, look, a leaked video has been watched multiple millions of times. Hey, it's publicity, right? None of it's bad. So, uh, yeah, I don't Sometimes, really care. sometimes you know what's yeah. funny?
1: You just made me think of something. I mean, if you're Adidas and you've created this tremendously authentic-feeling video, what better way for it to reach Arsenal fans than being retweeted and leaked and uploaded and downloaded by blogs and, and accounts on a social media network as opposed to being put out by the shiny PR wing of the brand itself? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if that's that was in the rollout strategy. I, I think the other thing that's interesting is um, – You know, it it has for me at least a tiny little bit in a summer where I'm absolutely up to my eyeballs talking about FFP and short-term cost controls and net budgets and amortization and these are assets and we have distressed assets and we need to create more asset value. It kind of slapped me upside the face a little bit to remember that like this is supposed to be fun and about cheering for the team and the community of the of the fans and. I mean, I know it sounds dumb because at the end of the day, this is a multi-billion-dollar brand launching uh, merchandise. But but it did it did pull me back to something a little bit more innocent about the game. I mean, is that is that fair, or am I a complete fucking idiot?
0: No, you're not an idiot. But you know it is, uh, we all <laughs> we all have our way of looking at the game, right? And and it's all based on our experiences and our exposure to the game and. And you can you can try to broaden your experience again, which allows people, you know, I try and do that so I can articulate about the game I've just seen to people that want to listen, right? So so I make an effort to do that. Some people are quite happy just watching their team in their way and it's absolutely fine to do that. And I just, I just think, in the end, football, okay, it's a multi-billion pound industry, but at the heart of it, the club has got to be a nice, fun place to be for players. It's got to be a nice place for fans to go and watch. And it has got to be the connection between the two. And we have to enjoy it. We have to sit down and enjoy what we watch. And we've got to feel good about it. And we can talk, We and we do, we talk about it, all the analytical side, and we will continue to do so. But in the end, the moments you close your eyes and you remember the moments of the last five years, Have all been something good about the football that's made you feel an emotion you did not expect to feel. And that is what it's all about. And it's never more complex than that. And then when you look at the game, how can we get back to a team which allows us to feel some of those things more consistently so we can understand what they are trying to be? And then when you understand what the club is trying to be, you can reattach yourself to it. And you can say, well, you know what? I know what we're doing. I know what I'm buying in for now. I really do. I'm not just here because I'm addicted, because this is what I do. This is my club, and I can't change it. I'm really invested now, because I can see where we're going. I can see what we're trying to be. I can see that they care about me more than they care about the balance sheet. Oh, this is brilliant. So now I'm really going to go to every game. So those Tuesday night games that I weren't sure about, or those Thursday night games, which I hope will go away, I'm going to go. I'm going to bring my mates as well. And it, and it starts to, it starts to blossom again, right? Really, really quickly for many people who are on the edge, right? Of giving their season tickets back, which many did after backing, I'm afraid. So, you know what, Elliot? Well, I know he's talking about the video, but really the video is a trigger as a reminder of what this is all about. It should be fun. And you should feel good about it. Right. And, enough not um, for
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. Not for that bullshit. Let's get back to net spend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, we're, we're 12 minutes in and we haven't talked once about the economics of a transfer, amortization, any of that stuff. So we got to get into it. Let's talk Wilfred Zaha, who wants out of Crystal Palace and considers Arsenal his dream move. Um, but David Ornstein, the, uh, the article, has rated the chance of him leaving Crystal Palace at a 3 out of 10 and says that economically he is beyond Arsenal's reach. Let's break this down in a few levels. First of all, let's say the price is like 65 million pounds, 65, 70 yep. million pounds, and the wage is two, 200 yep. a week. Do you want Wilfred Zahn?
0: Right. So this, it, it, it will probably be, it'll probably be around 60 mil. He's on, currently he's on 130 a week wages. So I'm also going to have to stick 30 grand on top of that, right? To get him to about the one, the one eight into the Mkhitaryan range, right? So I think Mkhitaryan's about one eighty at the moment. So that's the level you need to get him to. So wages isn't, isn't the problem because we've cleared a lot of wages off the books. It's the transfer fee and how we're we going to pay it, right? So, so this looks like a classic move. We can't afford you, Wilf. You need to go out and say you want to leave, right? You need to go out and say. I don't want to stay here because that what that does is that reduces the market. He hasn't quite reduced it was saying I want to go to Arsenal. I want to go to another club in London. Everyone knows it's Arsenal. Chelsea can't buy. Spurs they liked him in the past. I just don't see him going there at that number. They seem to have their wide forward areas covered. They're looking at centre midfielders and maybe the odd fullback if they can turn over Trippier. So really, he's just telling you it's it's Arsenal. It really is. So. So for us, it's all about payment plan. Can we beat that price down? I mean, Wembasaqa was seventy million, end up going for fifty. The issue is, mate, is that Manchester United got a twenty-five percent sell-on clause, so we're helping pay for Wembasaqa. We're actually helping that. So, so I think that's going to be a challenge. So, if we can get around that sixty mil, Paris give up, they give up twenty-five percent of that. So they could be really going for the 25 going for the bigger number but maybe get their number over a longer period which would suit us because we would then speculate and say we're in the Champions League, we are going to get up to that level where we can afford to pay for him and and, and that would suit everyone all around so from a business side of things I'm being a bit optimistic if we can get him at 60 but it's the only way it's going to work out mate because then we can start to if you get any higher than that People then start to question are we buying the right quality of player? Uh, because there are other players at that price where it goes beyond sixty that people maybe like yourself, like Nicolas Pepe, for example, come into the come into the argument, then you say to yourself, Okay, Pepe's twenty three. you know, on from a from a radar perspective, he's he's got just as much end product. I know it's not in our league, if not a bit more. So you start to then look at other superstar youngsters on the way up around the world that can compete with that price, and then you say to yourself, if I'm going to spend $70 million on Zaha, why am I not spending $60, $70 million on, on Pepe? Because um, I get a lot more back for my money. So that's where the debate comes in.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, look, I want to be clear about things. A player can be a perfectly fine, good player, and you can think that they are not the move Arsenal should be making, Right? I, I also think what happens some summers, Clive, is that a certain player becomes the darling player of that window. And suddenly yeah. people talk themselves into the idea that getting that player would be really exciting. And I just don't know how that player, Wilfred Zaha, makes us better enough to be worth spending that much on that position with that output... At that age, because you look at it and you say, okay, there's the budget, spunked on a winger. Now, we definitely need a winger. We also need a left back. We also need a center back. We also need an attacking midfielder. We need all those things, okay? Um, backup goalkeeper, just yada, yada, yada. We got to do some selling, yep. too. Zaha yep. is, if he comes to Arsenal... You're in a situation where three seasons from now, you're, you're selling him for a loss. So you will not recoup your money. You will certainly not make a profit on him unless it's like a one-year stopover. You know, something crazy where he goes 20 goals and 15 assists and goes to Real Madrid the next year. But for the most part, probably not. His best-ever season is 10 goals and 5 assists. The season before that, 9 goals and 3 assists. The season before that, 7 goals and 9 assists. Good, not great. Now, admittedly, that's it, pal. Important yep. to understand... And I know we don't always love to to go too deep into the XG and the advanced metrics, but he got those 10 goals on six and a half expected. He actually had a better season the season before where he took more shots per game, made more key passes per game, and had 9.75 XG with nine goals. So he is probably, at Palace, a nine or 10 goal scorer. Maybe you say at Arsenal that turns into 15 goals and seven or eight assists. That's a really, really valuable player. Is that a 65 million pound, 200,000 a week player who is entering his prime right now, or mid-prime right now, on a team that isn't ready to win now? I would say this about Zaha, maybe you could tell me if you disagree. Mm -hmm. If we were one winger away from becoming a really dangerous team at the highest levels of football, you do this deal without a second thought. It becomes the Van Dyke type deal for Liverpool. But because we feel we're in this transitional phase, we're not in the CL this year, we're not gonna challenge for the Premier League. Our highest ambition is to get back into the top four, win the Europa League, get back into the Champions League. And this is a multi-year process for us. Can the resources be used better with a longer term? So can I like the player, but not necessarily believe allocating the resources this way makes sense for where we are in the process?
0: Yeah, you you absolutely can. And, and let me tell you something. Let's bring it back to a little bit of football, right? So today I was in my garage. Oh, what was to... I talking <laughs> about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going right on grass now, right? Right. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mate. You know that stuff—the stuff we the, the stuff actually kick the ball nope. around on. Let's, nope. let's, let's go Unfair. for that. I'm going on grass now. So today I was watching, uh, doing a bit, of <laughs> doing a bit of training, trying to get away from the all-inclusive holiday, right? And so, and I, ha- I was watching the. Liverpool Arsenal game Christmas two Christmas ago the three all draw where we scored three goals in like six minutes right so and in that game Erzul scored the third goal Sanchez scored the first goal I think Shaka scored but I just watched it for I watched a half and I watched the way we played and I watched the combinations between Ozil and Sanchez and just to remind them, we all know they used to pass the ball to each other, but mate, it's ridiculous how much they used to do that, and it's ridiculous how much the rest of the team used to look for him. Well, and you heard me say this before: we haven't got what I call these these give it to me players that make something happen out of nothing. We've got passing pattern players and runners on or off the ball, right? So and two dynamite strikers, right? So, so we haven't got enough problem solvers. With Zaha, he is a give it to me player. Now he's so, he could be a stronger profile give it to me player than almost any other player in the league because he literally demands the ball and he receives it standing still he receives it stopped and he stops the play so when he gets it he's got, he's got, wing, he has got no wing mirrors on he's got blinkers on all he sees is two men in front of him and I'm going to now roast you and all the movement of the other players stops because they're thinking okay we're not sure what's going to happen here is he going to give it is he going to rinse them do I move do I go get the ball off him, do a little combination? So he is such a hard player to read for his own team, but it's incredibly hard for the opposition to read. But what that does, Elliot, he says, well, we're not sure. We've got to double-team him. We have to. And if you're double-teaming him, then we've got a couple of other players that don't mind a bit of one-on-one space. Do you see what mm-hmm. I mean? And so from uh, a purely football perspective, I can see it. My, my if, you, if you ask me honestly... I think he stops the ball too much. I think he he can he can become so dominant he becomes your team. Now would he do that in the top six team? Would he be allowed to do it at Arsenal? I'm not so sure. But what I do like about him is his power and his pace and if he can add some directness to his game and be a bit more of a team player where he won't have to carry the whole team. There could be a side of him that we've just not seen. Can you imagine him behind the front two, where he can receive it back to goal, turn and carry it, playing a, a number 10 role? He, he can't always be stuck to the wings. As he gets older, he will move inside and be that type of player. And, you know, behind two players spinning. Could he be the front one well, of the front two players and have Lacazette as a deeper player, being that pivot player, Liverpool style? I think he offers a lot in the offensive areas, but his style is so dominant. It's so ball dominant. You, it's almost like having LeBron James in your team. You have to give him it. You have to, right? You can't have the ball out of his hands because he has special talent. He's got. To, he becomes the offense, right? So I'm, I'm a bit wary of that. I do like the. the I understand why people question him, and I understand that people might have eyes towards Nicolas Pepe, for example, who's more of a flow-based player. You can go through him. He runs off the ball. He runs through lines. He has a dribbling ability, both sides of the pitch, and will obviously be a centre-forward, given the fact he's over six foot. And he can finish, and he's going to build up a finishing goal-scoring record. He's going to take his price to Real Madrid Barcelona, no problem at all. Just a matter of time. Zaha can score. He knows how to shape the game. He knows how to shape the ball into the net. I think it has to happen for him now, and he knows it. It's now or never, or I'm not going to get to the top level. No one's going to take me seriously. He's the best player outside the top six, without a doubt. Everyone knows it. He plays when he likes in that team. He wants to do that after we will have to play every single week. But I think he'll be burning to prove that the Man United move was not a mistake. It was just a a delay. And this is how good I really am. And we just watched that video, right? And we all felt very Arsenal-like. Well, this kid is very much an Arsenal kid. And we signed a a young kid from Crystal Palace who was 28 at the time. He ended up being our second top scorer and probably a reason why many millions of fans support Arsenal today, in you know, him, right? So who to know what Zaha could actually do? So I'm open-minded about it, mate. But um, I do absolutely recognize there will be reservations from many people.
1: And, and you know what part of it is? Look, we miss an instigator, don't we? We miss a guy who can create an attack on his own. His yep. three-point-something dribbles per game or whatever it is, we don't have that. We miss that. He is our Alexis Sanchez replacement. He is yep. the give it to him, let him create a mismatch, let him start the attack, let him beat a man and draw defenses out. An obamian could thrive off the space that he creates by beating players off the dribble. Yep. He could be the Alexis Sanchez. Now, Alexis Sanchez brought with him his own set of problems, right? Too much of a focal point, slowed the ball down, but... We don't really play the one-touch passing game anymore anyway, so maybe a player that can get on the ball and go and start an attack could be special. Now, we paid 30 million for Alexis. For Alexis Sanchez, for Barcelona. At around the same age that we're looking to spend double that or more for Zaha. So the question is, can Zaha be as good as Alexis? Well, you know, look, Alexis was a guy who got... 24 goals and 10 assists, 13 goals and 4 assists, 16 goals and 8 assists, 19 and 10 the year he left Barcelona. Yeah. But the years just before that, before the Zaha age, he was an 8-goal, 9-assist, 12-goal, 5-assist guy on better teams than Zaha's playing in. So you could say that Wilfred Zaha profiled like a guy who could be on a trajectory to be like Alexis Sanchez was. The question is, do we need that? And I think we desperately need that. So it's just a matter of in the phase we are building this squad, can we spend this money on him? Or are we going to have him aging on our books, being unmovable, making 200 250 a week in a team that is trying to be rebuilt? I think in terms of his quality, you can go one of two ways. You can say he's never quite shown that he has elite output. Or you could say that the output he has for a bad team Profiles like someone who could take an elite step in his prime at a good team. I desperately want us to have a winger who can start an attack, and Zaha is that guy. I wish he was two years younger and 30 million cheaper. So
0: yeah, me too, me too.
1: You know, there's there's no perfect situation. Look, buying players for a team as flawed as we are isn't great, and I would realize that getting guys like William Saliba and loaning them back doesn't blow anyone's hair back. There is a chance that Zaha is the piece that makes our attack work, makes Aubameyang a a 30-goal, you know, golden boot winner again, but, you know, maybe, maybe even more. I don't know. Maybe it carries him beyond that. So I like the move in terms of the kind of player. I don't know if I like the specifics of the move. Let's move on from Zaha and wrap up with um, just a, a little more odds and ends of what's going on out there. And I think that, um, you know, you know there's, there's a couple of things going on. So the, the first thing I just want to ask you is, given that we're into late June, beginning of July, are you prepared to be concerned that there has been no movement in or out?
0: No, because no one else is doing much, to be honest, are they? Man- Manchester United had wan wrapped up from January, so they're just about getting over the line now. Right? So um, Chelsea obviously can't do much. They've just signed on a player in Kovacic for 40-plus million. I mean, wow. Real Madrid must be laughing themselves to sleep because he's a good player, but because he was registered... Chelsea can sign him because he registered last year, so they have to have that midfielder in the, in the squad because they've obviously lost lost his cheeks. So suddenly that price goes up, and Chelsea have to bite that bullet. But because they're getting paid for Hazard, they can afford to, right? Unlike us when we lost Ramsey. But let's not go over it. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not too concerned, right? if uh, I tell you why I'm not con- too concerned. Well, obviously. We all like to see players coming because it makes us feel good right so we want to see players coming and the sooner we see the players coming the sooner we can understand what sort of club we are and what sort of strategy we're trying to achieve great that's selfishly looking at it but what we're you know, let's think back a little bit this is the first Stan summer this is the first Raul summer this is the first emery true summer let's be honest and and let's see what this club is all about. Let's see how they negotiate. Are they going to do the stupid things like a mate of mine said to me, Celtic won 25 million for Tierney, so Arsenal bid seven. <laughs> and then we go to nine. And it's like, wow, oh, for God's sake, is that we've always done that. I mean, that's why we didn't get Gary Cahill cause we offered something like 2.3 million. I mean, until you went to Chelsea for seven, end up being a stalwart for eight, nine years. I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? That's what we've done. So, are we the same stupid arsehole that the agents laugh at, or are we really being hard nosed in the market and really trying to drive markets? We don't know, but I'm looking and seeing if there's something there. My suspicions tell me that we're we're not as smart as I like to think we are. Right? So, um, and we have got a lot of new people trying to establish themselves in their roles and responsibilities, and they, that may not be making decision-making as smooth as it could be. Politically, we've seen dead bodies roll out the building, and, and now we've got someone in charge that nobody knows with a gravelly voice. So, hey, I'm not sure, to be honest, where we're going, but I'm not throwing myself off a deep end yet because these are all new people doing a new job, trying to present a new face a new club to us. I want to give him a chance. As it gets closer to the end of the deadline, if we're sitting there, and Mustafi's in a new kit, and uh, El Elneny's still got his number four, and Jenkins has got a new contract, then we might have a different conversation, right? We might need a whole new podcast for that alone. So, um, But let's see where we go, where we end up seeing, hopefully seeing some of these players go out the door.
1: How important is it in your mind to have the core group that's going to be there for the season, given the difficult starts of the season that we have, be on the American tour.
0: I think, I know you're, you You said something last week about the difficult games that we have, and I I actually think they're good games to have, and because a lot of those...
1: Well, well, can I just stop threat, you for a second? Just for one second. I think they're great games to have. I was talking in terms of, will fans be hysterical in reaction to them more than are they good games for the team to prepare?
0: I, I think they're great games for good teams to prepare because what you, yes. what, what you get to see, you get to, come on, we've, we're not in the Champions League, so we're rubbing we're shoulders with Champions League's teams. We can see some of their younger players, right? the ones that are behind the top boys, because what happens when you're playing Barcelona and, and half their players are at the the Copa America and and various other various other cups are going on right now? They're not going to play all of their best players in those games. I mean Barcelona may be not be the best example, but you know what I mean, because those players are well sought after internationally and they need to be rested. So you are playing younger players. So you get to see more about the fabric of the club. We get a chance to see our younger players versus good younger players and good experienced players when the opportunity comes. I think it's a great chance to have a look. I don't worry about pre-season from the results perspective. I worry about how we look and what players we've, we've added and how they're being integrated. And can I see any progression for some of the younger players that were there the year before? Because younger players progress really quickly. You know, they fill out quickly and, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at Willock. I'm looking at Amici, who was only not been seen by so many because he had injuries at the start of last year. Otherwise, we'd know about him already. And that could be a new player for us to really get into in the next couple of in the next month or so. So I'm looking forward to that. I really am, and I'm not worried about the results. I'm not worried about the difficulty of the games. I think I think we'll be fine. We'll do just enough. I think the Barcelona game will be interesting. The last one. I think that'll be really interesting to see what sort of team we play against and how we do in those games. I think they'll all be interesting. But I am a preseason fan, right? I really am. So um, I, I think you can learn a lot about what a manager's trying to implement, how players are trying to jump up the hierarchy of dressing room. Because this is the time. When you come back pre-season, this is when you lay it on the line. When you start doing all your tests, all your numbers, you start doing your sprinting, your agility. And you lay it on people in preseason. And this is where the hierarchy of dressing room can change. And every pro knows it. That's why half of them are all on holidays doing their running right now. So, man, I can't wait. I can't wait for it. And I'm not remotely um, concerned about the results well, I are you, that could go are you gonna,
1: wrong. you could drag your lazy ass? Uh, I know you just got back from holiday. you ready to drag your lazy ass to Los Angeles and meet up for a podcast?
0: I, I've... I've my daughter's moving out there and I thought about uh, it and I mm. she's moving out but she's literally moving out next week. I I don't want to turn up like a week later. Well you don't <laughs> have to see her. I'm gonna you see your daughter, you're
1: <laughs> out there to see me and Andrew. We're doing an art
0: cast in Los Angeles live. Yeah. But I must admit the Barcelona game came up and I thought, oh, you know, I could go and see that one. That's easy for me, all right? So I think I will go to Barcelona and the Emirates Cup. and That may be it for me. You don't need me out in, in the U.S., mate. You've got, enough, you've got enough of the top boys out there. So You'll be fine. You'll be fine.
1: Um, all right, well, putting that to one side. Last thought before we say goodbye. Kieran Tierney, you want it? You think it'll happen? We need a left back. That, that, that's a move I think we can all get behind, right?
0: Yeah, I, he's, he's a good player. He's very quick, very, very aggressive in the tackle, and very proactive running off the ball, so, and I've looked at his numbers, I'm getting like you Elliot, I've looked at his numbers, his crossing numbers are far superior to Kalashnik, and, he, and he's a British player, looking to go to the next level, looking to get in the Scotland team, which strangely, the, the other guy, the other good left back in Europe, just happened to be Scottish, I, I, I do like him, obviously injuries aside, he needs a break there, but Celtic do overplay him, I, I do like him, and I'm again, I'm not, we spoke about Sahara earlier. We, spoke about we need a winger. We need a we need a forward. Is happy in wide areas. That's what we need. We haven't got that. Wingers are wingers are becoming dead. Fullbacks are what it's all about. Fullbacks are your distributors. Fullbacks run through lines. Fullbacks do the crossing. What you need are wide forwards that can play down the centre, but they can run into wide areas. I I am I I'm not sure. Chalk on Boots wingers work anymore. I know Man City do it and they invert their full backs and and they break they counter foul you so you can't break onto those spaces. But I like the Liverpool style where you have wide forwards in Tahar Mane that can go wide but really they want to kill you down the middle. Tahar is that player, Pepe will be that player. And you when well you start wide, but you come in and you create a space for your fullbacks to drive into. We could potentially have two very good driving fullbacks in Tierney and, and Bellerin, who absolutely are massively proactive and quick to get into those spaces to receive the ball on the run and deliver. So, you know, having two good fullbacks now is Vogue, and those two would do for me no problem at all.
1: I couldn't say it better. Couldn't say it better, and I think we can leave it there, because frankly, nobody wants this audio quality going on much longer. Clive, I apologize that your return to the pod had to be marred by my, um, well, just my presence <laughs> generally, but but my audio quality. So I appreciate you tolerating it.
0: No, don't be stupid, man. And thanks very much. I don't know and any I other way to be. I'll I tell you what, I've got loads more in my head, but I know, you're, I know you're working, So, but hopefully do another one next week, and I'll get don't it out.
1: ruin my secret. Nobody knows I do that. Uh, but, yes, I, I am doing this. Um, but look, we got lots of fun stuff coming up. We're, we got the live arts cast uh, that I'll be a part of in LA. I can't wait for that in July, um, which is like days away, incredibly, coming up. So, there's lots of information coming out about that. Looking forward to it. Um, we will have uh, more podcasts with Five, and Tim's coming back after the Copas, the World Cup, uh, and the Copas end. So, look forward to that. Paul will be back as well. Scott will be back. We got, we got uh, special guests lined up. We're going to do some more scouting type stuff. and. and Clive, I assume you'll join me for a Patreon uh, transfer rumor roundup next week?
0: Yes, mate. I am up to date. I have a plenty of time to read, so bring it on when you're back. Good. Well, you
1: sound rested and refreshed and brilliant as ever. Clive's on Twitter at P A F C. Thank you, Clive.
0: Thank you very much.
1: My is Alex Finney. You can block me on Twitter at Center. Give us a five-star review right now. Things about Tim, Scott, Paul. Anyone except me, please. I can only take so much. All right, you know what? We're going to take a break. Thanks for tolerating terrible audio. We'll be back to talk to you more uh, after Arsenal 10 transfer window nil.